Good morning, Northbrook Church. Uh, This morning, we are going to be back in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. And either you can turn there um, on your phone, in your physical Bible, you can look up here on the screen, it'll be up here. Uh, If you don't have a physical copy of God's Word, back on the welcome table, uh, we have a few of those. They They look just like this, and they are our gift to you. So we'll be in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Judge not that you not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrites, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will be then, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is the word of the Lord. Um, well, all right. Well, always, it is a joy to open up God's word with you, and I know you all have been in the Psalms for five weeks now, and uh, that's one of the things I was able to stay in uh, touch with the podcast and super thankful for uh, the opportunity for y'all to and me through the podcast dwell on what it looks like to cry out to God in the midst of our life and struggles and all the things we experience Uh, and just super thankful for uh, Randy and uh, Dustin and Reed them filling in the gap while I'm gone Uh, yeah and I praise God for them super thankful for them that I like there's no um you know, and being gone, there was just no struggle. Like, just, I know God has equipped them, but also, by God's grace, God has equipped you. Like, just to have faith and trust in uh, what the Spirit is doing in your midst uh, is, is incredibly uh, encouraging. And then also, I did want to say, although, you know, as members, it wasn't your idea, but you didn't stand in the way of me going on sabbatical. So, I just want to say thank you. Uh, and uh, the elders, it was their idea, and they were encouraged to uh, bless me with that. So, uh, we are incredibly grateful. And the, one of the other things, there's lots of things that kind of came to mind, but one of the things that built in us on sabbatical was just a gratitude for Northbrook Church. Uh, just me and Ginger just feel incredibly grateful for what God's doing here, for the people he's led here, and just the church that we get to be a part of. And, and so we're, we're really encouraged uh, about that. And now uh, we turn our attention back to the Sermon on the Mount. So it's been five weeks, so you may have forgotten a little bit. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but we spent, we've spent basically five months in the Sermon on the Mount before uh, this summer. And then we're going to spend all of August in the Sermon on the Mount. And so for 2022, as a church, we will spend six months, half the year, in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and even as I was going back and kind of getting back into it, because I actually did take a break from it for sabbatical because it felt a little too uh, worky. Don't, I did read the Bible. I just didn't read that part of the Bible. Um, and uh, I... Uh, and so getting back into it this week, even going through the Beatitudes, and I just I missed so much of the sermon that we were already, I was like, man, I want to go back to the Beatitudes. There's just so much there, and there's so much encouraging uh, words that Jesus has for us. And so I hope you've learned much uh, through this time. It's been an encouraging time for me. But uh, as we get into chapter 7, uh, Jesus still has uh, much for us. Um, but just to give a little quick recap uh, of where we've been to kind of catch ourselves up and get our wits about us. Um, Obviously, Jesus begins the sermon with the Beatitudes. 
people that are poor and needy, that mourn over their sin, that see their need for God's grace and hunger and thirst for righteousness, he says they will be satisfied. Um, And that these people that are satisfied in who God is and what he's done for them go on to be these kinds of people that are merciful, that are peacemakers, that are pure in heart, and that are persecuted. We see that plainly in the Beatitudes. And Christians that live by these Beatitudes will be salt and light to the people around them. That's how Jesus opens this sermon. And then uh, he really changed gears in uh, chapter 5, verse 17, where he gets into kind of the body of the sermon, where he says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets, not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And that's really actually the beginning of the main body of the sermon. And the end of the main body of the sermon is actually in the passage we'll cover next week, where we see in Matthew 7, 12, Jesus says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And so just a little Bible reading clue. Often, when you see a phrase repeated, that's a signal, and that's what Jesus is doing. We see in 5.17, he mentions the law and the prophets, and in 7.12, he mentions the law and the prophets. So that signals the beginning and the end of this main portion uh, of his sermon. So I say that to let you know that we're still in it. So everything we covered in chapter 5, where Jesus kind of interpreted the law for us and told us that, hey, you heard that you, know, you shouldn't murder. I say, even if you have hate towards your brother. Where Jesus said, you've heard that you shouldn't commit adultery. I say, even if you have lust in in your heart towards another. Where he makes all those kinds of statements. Where he does that. And then when he goes on to uh, chapter 6 to expose the hypocrisy that can be behind even the prayers we pray. The fasting we do or the giving to the poor. He exposes that. And then he goes on to uh, expose something that none of us struggle with. An anxiety over provision. Um, just that end of Matthew 6 that's just so convicting all the time. Just don't be anxious. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So he goes on to do that. And all of that, again, so the main part he's kind of building. And even in chapter 6, again, kind of a a constant attention to show us um, that the Father loves. That the Father loves, he cares, he tends, he provides. He's wanting us not just to see not what to do, but we shouldn't do this, but because we have a Father that loves us. We don't need to be anxious because our Father provides. Um, And then all of this leads into uh, chapter 7. So he's talked about the law, talked about who we are with God, talked about even our our Christian practices. He's talked about our worldly needs and and desires. And now he's going to talk a little bit about how we interact with one another. What does this look like? So still in the main kind of portion of the sermon. Uh, And one of the verses that kind of sets all of this up is Matthew 5.20. This is what Jesus is calling us to and getting at. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And the shock's a little removed from us, but this would have been incredibly shocking for his listeners to hear. Like, they look at the scribes and Pharisees, they're like, dude, these are, these are the legit guys. When you think about, man, that person's solid, or you say, that person's legit, that's who they would say this about. Um, and Jesus is saying, your righteousness has to exceed theirs. Now, we know, as Jesus calls out the Pharisees, they actually, many of them didn't have any righteousness at all. They just looked like they were righteous. Uh, they, were, they were clean on the outside, but, but dirty on the inside. Uh, but this would have been shocking for his original hearers, Uh, to hear. 
And he's calling us to what, and this is what five, six, and seven, it's this greater righteousness. It's this righteousness that, that we should be pursuing, this greater righteousness that is only possible uh, for the believer in Jesus, the one who is seeking God through repentance and faith, that we constantly in life pursue this greater kind of righteousness, uh, that what we do is actually motivated by who we are uh, in Christ. Um, and so that's what uh, catches us up to Matthew 7 uh, and the passage that we'll be in, which is another one of those, like, this is one of those passages that's just chock full of, like, phrases that are just common day in our culture. Like, the culture has adopted so much of here. Just judge not. Uh, we'll get into that, obviously. Uh, pull the log out of your own eye. Don't throw your pearls to swine. Like, you, you, you can hardly watch a movie without seeing one of those. Like, they're just all over the place, these, these common uh, phrases that we hear uh, in our culture, and, and there's lots of ways that we as the church and our culture gets those phrases incredibly wrong, but one of the things I was blown away by this week as I was just studying this passage and getting back into the sermon, and just this passage in particular, what Jesus is helping us with is just how wise Jesus is. Like, do you realize Jesus is wise? You know that, like, he is, he is infinitely and perfectly wise. There's no wisdom that's lacking in him at all. Like, we're always looking for wise people to get advice from, and we should. Wisdom's a, a, a treasure to be uh, sought, but it is perfectly found in Jesus. <laughs> and as I was thinking about how he's trying to help us here, he just doesn't let any of us off the hook. We all struggle with what he's going to talk about in one way or another, and Jesus perfectly cares and tends for us all uh, with his perfect wisdom. And it's one of those teachings we should kind of, as the Spirit helps us, we should walk away somewhat astonished from. It's how they walk away from the Sermon on the Mount, is astonished at this teaching. And, and this is one of those reasons, because he's just displaying perfect wisdom here. So will we have uh, the ability to receive his instruction? And here's what Jesus is going to tell us. And, and Jesus tells us to not do a lot of things. So this is going to sound like a don't do passage, but uh, the, my points are all don't do this, but it's because Jesus is saying that. So I'm following his lead. But here's, here's what we're going to see in this passage. Uh, we're to not, don't judge unfairly. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't ignore the speck in your brother's eye and don't expect it to always work. Amen. Go in peace, church. I'm just joking. No. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see this from Jesus. Look at, uh, well, let's just talk about these first two little words there in 7 verse 1. Judge not. Just two words that have been wielded in so many ways. Uh, we've wielded them. Uh, other people have wielded them against us. Uh, there's probably not one person in here that someone in their life, even if you don't remember, it's definitely happened, that someone's told you, hey, don't judge me. Hey, stop judging me. Uh, so th it's been said to all of us. We have probably said it. Hey, don't judge me. Don't judge me for this. Um, and are we saying that right? Does our culture say it right? Do we say it right? Here are four ways I think it'll, that we, it gets misused, and hopefully this will become clear throughout our time, but if you have more questions about these, uh, let me know. Uh, but one of the ways it's misused, the non-Christian common refrain toward the church is, why do you care what I'm doing? Don't judge me. Like non-Christians that don't believe in Jesus, but are struggling with something the church is saying or doing or anything like that, their common response is, hey, your, your Bible says don't judge me. Stop judging me. Uh, and that is a, a misuse of these words. At times, professing Christians that may or may not actually be Christians, uh, but want to continue, continue to indulge in a particular sin in their life that the Bible clearly states wrong, 
Or sometimes they just have a beef with the church in some way. Or some, maybe there's some doctrine that they don't like about the church. They'll often say, so they profess to believe in Jesus, but they're like, hey, don't judge me for this. Don't ju- Jesus says not to judge me for doing this. Jesus says not to judge me for believing this. Jesus says not to judge me, so don't so stop judging me. That's another way uh, it's misused. Uh, one of the things we'll get into later is some of us, when we hear, hey, don't judge, judge not, you're like, oh, that's fine. I don't judge anybody. I'm good. I, I, everything's fine. And I'm, I'm not, I, I, I listen to this ber- verse perfectly. Um, and, and Jesus doesn't let us even off the hook because he actually says he does call us to judge rightly. Uh, that, that, that actually is a misuse of this verse. Is to uh, One of the things we do at times is we emphasize parts of the Bible that align with an area of our life that we like, and we ignore the other parts of the Bible that don't align. And so that would be a misuse. And that's obviously not even what Jesus is saying here. I think another maybe common example, even in Christians trying to help one another or walk with a friend or something's going on and they're genuinely trying to help, not gossiping or anything, but they're trying to help a struggling friend and someone might say, man, we're not supposed to judge this person or we're not supposed to judge here. Um, And I think that can also be a misuse of this verse. Um, And I'm not saying everything about those things, those situations that any of them mentioned um, is uh, there's certain you know, are all wrong, but those are common ways that we use these two little words in, in uh, ways that suit our own desires more than what Jesus is actually trying to tell us here. And again, hopefully that will become uh, obvious. Um, we know Jesus is not asking us to never make judgments on people. We, we have to know that. If you read just in our passage, in verse 6, he's actually calling us to make judgments on people. He says, don't uh, throw what's holy to dogs and don't throw your pearls to swine. Well, that's a judgment that we are called to make. Later in Matthew 10, he's going to call his disciples to go into certain houses and, hey, if you consider them worthy, stay. If you don't consider them worthy, uh, kick the dust off your feet and move along. He's calling them to make particular judgments uh, on people. Uh, This is really the the entirety of Matthew and and, and then the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is calling us to make judgments uh, at different times. So we know it's not a a complete prohibition against judging uh, in any way. If you read the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians is Paul trying to get the Corinthian church to judge people rightly. It's like a big theme of the book. It's like, hey, judge me rightly, judge these other people rightly, judge each other rightly. He's desiring that uh, for the church. When we appoint elders and deacons, what are we doing? We're, We're making a judgment. We're saying as best we can tell through prayer, through patience, through observation, through time, we judge this person to be worthy to be called a deacon or an elder based on how the scriptures uh, lay that out. Um, obviously, throughout the scriptures, we're called to judge false teachers. Jesus gets pretty clear about that in Matthew, at the end, even in the end of the Sermon on the Mount here. So we are called, it's clear, we're called to make judgments. What, what Jesus is getting at here is we're, um, he's prohibiting us from making unfair judgments. So when he says judge not, he's saying we shouldn't judge based on our, our own selfish motives. We shouldn't based on our own pride. We shouldn't walk around being know-it-all kind of judges. Even in the Greek, uh, verse 2, where it says, well, let me read it real quick. Not in the Greek, but in English. Uh, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. But in the Greek, it uses the word judge three times and the word measure three times. It's like this poetic kind of way of saying, hey, don't walk around being a judgy judgerton all the time. Uh, don't go around having this kind of judging, prideful attitude. 
Don't be unfairly judging everybody you come into contact with. And it's saying the measure, the measure you use will be measured against you. It's kind of that just biblical principle of we reap what we sow. When we walk around being a judgy judgerton, we're likely going to have that kind of, um, that, that's how people are going to treat us as well. That's just one of the things that, that happens uh, in, uh, in this area of judging people. But where Jesus is calling us to not judge people or to not uh, be an unfair judge. Selfish judgment is just bad for everyone. Bad for the people you're judging, bad uh, for yourself. Um, and then there's another aspect of judgment that is just solely reserved for Jesus. And James 4, 11 through 12 kind of speaks to this. It says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? So, so God is in the heavens. And he is the only one worthy and able to ultimately judge. There's a, so even when I say don't judge unfairly, one of the things that's always kept from us is we don't judge ultimately. We don't know. We don't, we don't get that vision. We don't get that insight. We see in a, a mirror dimly. Um, we don't judge ultimately. Uh, we can, again, the scriptures call us to discern. They call us to judge people by their fruits. And we can make, you know, conclusions from that and try to understand what's right and wrong in certain situations. We can do that. But ultimately, God is the only one that judge. God is the only worthy judge. And so that is for him. We shouldn't judge selfishly. We shouldn't judge unfairly. And we shouldn't make ultimate judge, judgments on people. But we should judge compassionately. That's what the scriptures call us to. And, and we'll get into this a little bit as Jesus goes on to this next little parable here. But I love 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 through 15. I, I, I use this so often for myself, with others. It says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak, but be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone else. So when we're interacting with one another, even when we're called to admonish the idol, what the scriptures clearly call us to here, we're supposed to do it with this patience. And we're supposed to do it with a lack of vindictiveness. We're not doing it to them because it's really inconvenient for us. We're not like repaying them like, oh, this is inconvenient that you're idle, and so I'm going to try to get you down the road. It's no, it's, it's a patience, it's a, it's a love, it's not a response, it's a response of God's love and how patient he's been with me. And I want this for you, I, I want better for you. God wants better for you. Um, but when we start to like, oh man, this is just inconvenient, this is annoying, um, and then that selfish judgment uh, creeps in. We're called to judge compassionately. And Jesus actually gives us steps to go from selfish judgment to compassionate judgment. And that's what he does in verses three and four with this parable that he gives. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. Hypocrisy is, is just a, a theme of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, but this is actually the only time Jesus used the word hypocrite in the book of Matthew towards his own disciples. It's always used towards the Pharisees. 
but here he uses it towards and talking to his disciples and how they're interacting with one another. And here's what Jesus is doing. He knows all of our tendencies to focus on what's wrong with someone else. He knows that we all struggle with considering other people's faults as more important than our own. And even if we don't believe that theologically, in our mind, in our thoughts, where we dwell, whose faults we're dwelling on most often, even if we struggle with shame and, and struggling with like kind of a, a, a feeling, you know, heaping judgment on ourselves, that's a lot and that's hard, but we still, even in those moments, struggle with judging other people's thoughts. And, um, and that's one of the things Jesus is getting at. We have a tendency to notice other people's sin more than our own. Here's, here's a really light example of this. It was actually, I was finishing this up this morning, and uh, Moses, our dog, uh, not actual Moses, we have a dog named Moses. Uh, you're like, man, this is a really charismatic church. Uh, but uh, that, should, that, wouldn't, that was not in the notes. Shouldn't have said that part. But uh, our dog was at the back door barking. And he was barking. I was working on my sermon, doing really holy things. And so I was like, well, there's so many other people in this family. Someone's going to get the door. Um, he's barking. Someone let him out. Obviously, you let a dog out. You know they're going to come back in. Surely someone's got this sorted. And then he barks for a really long time uh, and keeps barking. And then finally, obviously, uh, take a break from, uh, you know, stuff and go get uh, Moses and let him in. And then I'm like, why in the world would anybody ever do that? Um, why, why would anybody do that? That's what I'm saying in my mind. And then obviously I come back to this passage. I'm like, okay, that's, that's not right. Because uh, how often do we do that, though? I'm, I'm in that, I am focused on nobody else's fault. I mean, I'm focused on no fault of my own, and everybody, I don't even know who to blame, but I'm just blaming everybody. Whoever did this is why would they ever do this? Um, and not to mention the just real facts that I have surely done that exact same thing, but if I'm being really honest, I have done so much worse. Like, really? Like, I was really frustrated, but if I would really take a minute to think of all the things I've done, all the sinful things I've done, the sinful thoughts I have, the sinful, and I'm not even talking from the past, sure, that, but even recent, like, man, who am, who am I? Who am I to, to say that? But how often we, we do that, whether in a light moment like that, or more significant struggles, or it's just so easy for us to think about everybody else's wrong, everybody else's issue, and, and not focus uh, on our own. We can read the Sermon on the Mount and feel a bit convicted, but think about, oh, I wish so-and-so could really figure this out. Um, and it's not born out of compassion or love, but really uh, pride and judgment. Maybe even this sermon, you're thinking, oh, I wish so Just going to, uh, there we go, see what happens. Thanks for pray, praying, um, uh, and we'll see what happens. Um, in this sermon, just thinking someone else needs to, to hear this, um, but Jesus says to all of us to pull the plank out of our own eye. And my frustration for someone not letting the dog in, and much heavier problems, the Christian must always be most concerned about their own sin. Guys, it's such a simple statement, and if you've been in church, you've heard it. Uh, but it's such a needed corrective, so often. I was a bit overwhelmed by it this morning. 
like how much more I need to be more concerned with my own sin. And here's the thing about this parable. Jesus is saying, take the log out of your own eye. He's not saying, hey, you might have a log. He's saying, we all have a log. Like it's a universal statement. There's not some of us that do and some of us don't. We all have to remove the log from our eye. Uh, that is what Jesus uh, is telling us. Um, and if we're not careful, I think we might miss the abundant grace captured in this parable. Like even if you think of the word play and the law, and Jesus was a carpenter, he probably had a speck in his eye at one point, and that's how frustrating and harmful that can be. Uh, he worked with logs. Uh, but even if you think about his life, he was laid on a log. He was, he was laid on the cross that any of us might have hope of pulling the log out of our own eye. Outside of Jesus dying on the cross, we're all just walking around with logs in our eye. I mean, with no hope in the world to ever remove them. But, but because he was willing to lay his life down for us, we, we get the, the hope and the potential and the option to, to remove the log from our eye, which is simply being humbled by everything Jesus did for us on the cross. That's how we remove the log from our eyes. We, we, we're humbled by the reality that, look, Jesus, that what you did on the cross, I needed every bit of that. I needed that for my life. I needed that for my sin. I needed that for, I, I just needed everything you had to offer. And I, I need it even now and when we're, when we're humbled by our, our great need for everything Jesus has done for us and the grace that he's extended to us, then, then we're so much more prepared to love and serve and care for our brother. And when we're ever shy of that, we're in the danger zone of multiplying sin, of seeing maybe something that is actually wrong, but then our wrong being attacked on top of that, and, and it goes on from there. We need the humility that comes from saying, Jesus, I needed you to die for me. I needed the cross. I've done shameful things. I continue to do and think shameful things. And on the cross, you bore every ounce of that shame and guilt that I deserve. We obviously need that once and for all to know and love and trust Jesus. But we need that day by day by day. We need to, that is a reality we need to be growing in. Um, in church, guys, when we, I mean, we just can get so like, I need to better myself and and we, we need to see how needy we truly are. We need to see what Jesus has done for us, and we need to be humbled by that, and we need to continue to grow in that. Just a question, straightforward. Do you find yourself dwelling on other people's faults? Ask Jesus to help you remove that log from your eye. But then go on. In verse 5, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So I think anybody that was wielding that just to keep us to stop judging them, we could just keep reading the Bible with them and just say like, okay, that, that's true. I don't need to judge you unfairly. There's a lot going on here, and I could be going about this really poorly but Jesus is saying, oh, the speck matters. Like, you know, take the log out of your eye first, but then you should actually care about the speck in your brother or sister's eye. 
Again, some of you are like, hey, I don't judge anyone. I'm fine. Everything's okay. Um, and, and Jesus is saying you should actually care enough about people to care about the speck that they have in their eye that you see, that you're aware of. If you're not aware of it, then you don't even know. But if you're aware of a speck in your brother or sister's eye, you should care about, enough about them to at least uh, desire something better for them. Uh, we, we, Jesus doesn't let us off the hook with just minding our own business. We're called to lovingly help one another with specks in each other's eye. And so I think just the question, how how do we do this? One, again, just to say it again, we aren't ready to do it if we aren't humbled by the cross and walking in compassion uh, towards one another. Because we often have so much baggage and hurt and sin and past stuff that it's just hard to weed through all of that and actually help someone else when there's a speck in their eye, especially when it stirs those very things up in our heart and our life. Um, and so until we've been humbled by our great need for Jesus and who he is, it's not us. We're not ready. It's not you. Uh, if you really want to do it, you're really excited about doing it, you're probably not the right person to do it. Because um, you have not been humbled by who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Um, and seeing your need, you're going to them above them, not in the same need of Jesus. And, and that's how we have to be. And so you have to do work to get there. You have to pray and confess. You have to talk to, uh, you have to, talk to people about that and ask them to help you. And then I think another thing, and this, man, our, we, we just can get this so bad. It, how easy would it be to have these kinds of conversations if there had been a mountain of encouragement present in that relationship? If you would encourage that brother, if you'd encourage that sister and how how you've seen Jesus work in their life and what they're doing and how you, like how, like what, one of the things this, that makes this hard is these are the only kinds of maybe conversations we're having with this person or these particular people and, and we just lack the, um, the discipline, uh, the intentionality of being consistent encouragers uh, to one another. There was uh, uh, James Smith's, I don't know if he's in here, James Smith's dad, um, he would always, oh, there you are. Uh, he, uh, that's one thing I told him. Uh, they, they left. Uh, they were mad at the church. I'm just joking. No, they weren't. They, they moved to a different state. Um, but he, they, they were here for a bit. And just, man, he was just such an encourager. And I was like, one of the things I told him, I was like, hey, man, will you just help? Would you just, because at times he would apologize for his encouragement. He's like, man, I know I'm always saying something, but I just want to say, I said, dude, stop apologizing and just, man, help us be an encouraging church. Keep continuing to encourage, help us grow in encouraging one another. I mean, when you get encouraged, and I don't mean like you get a compliment, so you have to go and back, but like when you get encouraged, doesn't it make you want to be more of an encourager? Like, man, I want to help people uh, feel encouraged. And, and one of the things that would help, uh, you know, if our spec conversations were 10% and our encouraging conversations were 90%. Um, and here's the thing about encouragement. It's, it's vulnerable. It's not like you're just talking about sports or anything. You're like, you, it's vulnerable. It's vulnerable to encourage someone. It's vulnerable to say, man, I see Jesus in you in this way. Or I saw this happen and I was so encouraged by that. And I'm so thankful for how, how God's moved in your life uh, in this way. And so one of the things that would help these conversations if we just had uh, relationships that were full of encouragement. So I would encourage you in that. Another thing you should do uh, in these kinds of conversations is seek wisdom through prayer. We, sh we should not run into these conversations. Even when we feel humbled, we've got to be prayerful and ask God to move uh, in these conversations. So we should never uh, just do it with, without prayer. Uh, and then we, this is straightforward again, but we need to meet in person. 
If we are feeling led to uh, remove a speck from a brother or sister's eye, this is not something we do through text. It's not something we do through email, not leaving a voicemail. Uh, we, we have to meet in person. Um, and sometimes you have to go through the awkwardness of setting that up, like, hey, can you meet and, you know, can we grab something to eat? Or, like, what's it about? Like, oh, man, I, that's a hard question. I don't want to say that right now. Uh, but it's about things I wanted to talk about. You just have to figure it out, man. There's no easy way to do it. Uh, you just got to get there. And uh, we don't do it because it's hard. Uh, but you have to figure it out, but you got to do it in person uh, where they can see you, they can understand you. Because here's the other thing is you should never be harsh. We're talking about brothers and sisters here. There's not a place for harshness. Harshness often comes because we've been run over so much, we've been appeasing so much, and then we blow up. But to actually love our brother and sister, to care for them, there's no room for harshness. Jesus, again, it just First uh, Thessalonians First Thessalonians five fourteen. Admonish the idle, help the weak, encourage the faint-hearted, but be patient with them all. Usually when, when in what we, what keeps it, another thing keeps us being harsh is when we can just be clear. When we're clear about what we see or what we observe and what we see in the scriptures that's opposite to what we're observing, we just lay that before them. That's such a, a, a clear, kind of hard statement. You can say it with all the compassion in the world. You should say it with all the compassion in the world because you're saying a really hard thing to somebody. And so they should know you love them and you care for them and you want good for them and you, and you should desire to win them. Like, you should want them to, to hear what you're saying. Those should be desires that are present. And so we got to meet in person, uh, and we should, we should not be harsh um, as we try to lovingly help one another with the specs that we all have uh, in each other's eyes. Here's a question. Are you afraid to help your brother or sister with the speck in their eye? Something to consider. Have you ever done that? Have you ever tried to serve a brother or sister in that way? Maybe pray for God to grow you in compassion. There's a false compassion that says, oh, I'm not judging anybody. There's a real, Jesus wants things for people. Jesus wants his people to want things for people. Like as Northbrook, we're called to make, enjoy God, make disciples, and plant churches. Like making disciples is us following Jesus together. We should want more of Jesus for each other. And so compassion is not ignoring everything. Compassion is actually helping and moving and walking with our brothers and sisters uh, in this kind of way. It's not the only way, but it is a part of it that Jesus is helping us with. And then finally, don't expect it to always work. Look at verse 6. Don't give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So don't expect it to always work. Real quick aside, pearls in Greek is margaritas. True statement. It has nothing to do with the sermon, but I love that this week. I loved finding that out, and I, I found it out, and I went and told, I was like, Ginger, you know, you know how to say pearls in Greek? It's margaritas. How awesome. I mean, it's spelled exactly right, the transliteration at least. And I was like, man, this is incredible. Um, but so there's that. Um, a lot, of, a lot of commentators take this verse and they, they, they view it as like this ambiguous statement. They're like, and all of them pretty much attach it to verses one through five, but they also do kind of struggle with, okay, what, in, what is Jesus trying uh, 
to do here. And I think obviously just given the content of given what's going on, uh, there is a, a clear uh, preparation Jesus has kind of laid before us. Like there's some discernment um, and there's some preparation as we walk in these kinds of ways. Uh, one, it's just clear there are times we shouldn't pursue people. There are times we're not the one to help them with the speck in their eye. Um, and, and so it, it's hard to tell exactly what Jesus is saying, but and, and, and we shouldn't we should have discernment when that is, but we shouldn't overestimate our discernment. Again, ultimate judgments for God. So it's not like, oh, this person's a swine, this person's a dog, this person's not those things, and I can help them. Uh, but it is the reality that some people at some times will not take this conversation. It just won't happen, and it, and it won't go well. And at times, people will take your honest effort, and they'll attack you with it. Like they'll take your opportunity, your, your desire to share the gospel with them, your desire to uh, help them, your desire to care for you. They'll take what you've done and they'll attack you with that very thing. That, that is what Jesus is preparing for us for here. So he's saying, hey, this is, this is the road to go. This is how we do this. But it's not a formula that's going to lead to this uh, outcome every time. Uh, that's, that's not how life works. That's not how uh, people work. Um, and so we should be uh, prepared for that. Um, there are times we just shouldn't pursue. And, and to be honest with you, this can be hard to discern. Uh, and this is when you should seek wisdom with one another. And, and this is what I tell people about me, like good friends. I'm like, hey, you can talk, about, my, talk about, about me behind my back. I love you. I trust you. I trust your motives. I trust what you want for me. If you ever need to seek wisdom, and, and I'm not sure, I just trust you. I don't believe that's going to be gossip. I don't believe any of that. And so we should have that kind of culture, that kind of hope where we can, and we should flee from gossip in such a way where we know what we're doing isn't that, but we're actually seeking wisdom about trying to help a brother or sister as best we can. Because uh, some of these kind of situations can be hard. So you should realize that it can be hard to discern, and you should at times uh, seek wisdom. Obviously, ask your elders. The elders don't want to gossip about anybody in any way, but we do want to love and care for uh, the church. Um, and so if you're struggling with something, you can reach out to us. But here's kind of the, like the flip side of this uh, verse is because um, I think it, it's just the like, let's not be pigs. Like, don't, don't be a pig. Like, like Jesus is telling us not to throw our pearls to swine. Like, are you hard to confront? Is it hard for people to help you with the speck in your eye? You may not be a pig, but you may be being pig-like. Um, and Jesus is saying, man, what, we, we should be people. He's saying there's certain people this is just not going to go well with. We shouldn't do this. But, but we should not be this people. Like We want to be the people where this does go well. It's not perfect. It's not easy. Um, but... Uh, we, we should see if our tendencies, do, do, we, do people struggle to help us uh, in, in this way? Um, and I think even as we do this, again, so do we don't you know, try to be the person that's easy to confront, confront but as we think about there, there's times where it's hard to discern and we're not sure if we, can do, if we should do this or not, uh, when we're walking in faithfulness to Jesus, we have to just focus on that. Like, we can't focus on the results. We can't focus on, oh, man, this is only going to go well if this person responds in this way. It's just like, hey, we, our, our goal is faithfulness. Our goal is, hey, Jesus, I feel like I'm humbled before you. I feel like I'm not judging this person unfairly. But I feel like there's something going on in their life that just feels like it's a rebellion towards you. And it feels clear. And I want to serve them in this way. 
Would you help me? And then as you walk out in that, you can't, you can't focus on the result. You can pray. Obviously, we should be desiring a particular result, uh, but we can't make it happen. Um, and so we have to, that's just Christian life is focusing on faithfulness, uh, not results. It's like us as a church, we're not focused on results. We're not, we're not desiring results just in and of themselves. We want to be faithful, and we trust God to, uh, we just trust God with the results and to do what he wants to do. That is our hope. Um, and so, again, a question just for you to consider. Is it hard for people to help you with the speck in your eye? Do you feel like you're one of those kinds of people where it's just hard for people to help you with the speck in your eye? Take the courageous step of asking a good friend that question and consider what Jesus wants to teach you. Jesus has perfect wisdom here for us. He is perfectly wise. You may be prone to unfairly judge. That may be your tendency. You may never judge anyone. Jesus' wisdom corrects us all. And he desires, what Jesus is doing, he desires good relationships for us. He desires good friendships, he desires good marriages, he desires good parenting relationships. That's what he desires for us and he wants for us and that's what he's teaching us in his perfect wisdom, one way that we walk towards that. It's what Jesus is doing. We should listen to him and his wisdom really should astonish us. He has given us grace and he's given us incredibly wise instruction. And so I, I just as you consider uh, what, what is the Spirit doing in your heart and mind, maybe even in a healthy way, who is he bringing to mind? Maybe it's someone that you're constantly dwelling on their faults and you need to be humbled by your need for Jesus. Maybe it's someone that you actually know, man, there is something off here. And you have not cared enough to actually even consider what it would look like for you to serve them and care for them in that. To help them. To lovingly uh, help them with the speck in their eye. Um, I, I pray that by God's kindness, the Spirit would grow in us um, ability to walk this out in like the ordinary day-to-day of life. There's times where this is really heavy. There's decisions people really make that are uh, catastrophic. And, and these kinds of conversations can be really heavy. But often there's a lot of light conversations like this that should happen. Like, oh man, that sounded like you were being kind of prideful there. Um, it's not judging or whatever, but it just sounded, sounded like that. Like that we could be someone that, can, that's not the only conversations we have, but we're willing to have those conversations with one another. We're willing to be helped with the specks in our eye. And trust and care for one another help one another as Jesus leads us. Let me pray for us in that way. Jesus, I just acknowledge personally that I can make light of my own sin and make much of others. I can dwell there and focus there in just an unhelpful, sinful way and just confess that to you. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are always there and gracious and have more grace than I can ever exhaust and you pour it out abundantly. So Spirit, I pray that you would continue to grow in me. Um, Not an unhealthy view of my sin, but an honest and real view of my sin. Uh, How real it really is. How much it really is. 
just how much trouble I would be in without you, Jesus, and in your life, death, and resurrection, that I could be forgiven. Um, it's grace upon grace, and I thank you for it. Spirit, would you pour that grace out on us? Uh, would, would you help us in the depths of our heart and our mind, body, and soul know and experience this grace upon grace? Um, just help us be a gracious people, covered by your grace, enjoying your grace, loving your grace, walking in grace with one another, pointing people to your grace. And I think about even which we help one another with the specks in our eye. It's not to point them to us. It's not to point them to anything else. It's to point them to your grace and who you are. Um, we don't need to give it advice. We don't need to fix. We need to exalt you and lift you up. Look to you and point others to you. And so, Spirit, would you just do that? Would you do that in our midst? Would you do that even now? Would you do that as we continue to sing? Would you do that as we come to the table and remember Jesus' sacrifice? And then would you continue to do that as we leave this place and scatter and uh, go into the relationships and uh, the different places you've called us that you would help us continue to look to you there and that you'd give us opportunities to point other brothers and sisters to you and people that don't know you to, to see you, be humbled by uh, your open invitation to any and all to come and admit their need, see their sin, and see you as the all-sufficient answer. So Jesus, we love you and we thank you that you are all of that and that we get all of that in you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.